This is the Ned Group Investments Podcast, a space where you can learn more about our fund managers, the funds they manage, as well as getting up-to-date and important developments affecting the investment world and how they might be relevant to you. Good morning, everybody, and thanks for joining us today for the February edition of the Balanced Perspective. My name is David Levinson of Ned Group Investments, and we're joined on the line by Ian Power, CIO of Truffle Asset Management and Portfolio Manager of the Ned Group Investments Balance Fund. I hope technology hasn't let us down. And Ian, can you hear me loud and clear? I can hear you, Dave. Thanks. Good morning to everyone. Great. Fantastic, Ian. So before we get started, a bit of context to the balance perspective. We had our first edition back in December. Everyone was on holiday in January, and we're kickstarting again now in February. The idea was to, obviously, your calendars are very full with webinars. It was going to be a 15-minute, really punchy session. We have the privilege of chatting to Ian on quite a regular basis, and he has a wonderful way of articulating a lot of the complex scenarios playing out in, in investment markets around the world. And we thought this was a nice way to, to leverage some of Ian's skill in terms of how he simplifies it for both ourselves and, of course, yourselves and your clients as well. So thanks again for joining us today. Ian, just going on to the first question. So if we look a lot, and this happened in the discussion that you had on Asset TV yesterday, was the EM trade at the moment. And there's a lot of sort of rhetoric in the market about people shifting to, to EM value. And then, of course, on the local front, we have uh, Cyril Ramaphosa talking last night about lo- loosening some of the restrictions. We had our first sort of million vaccines arrive in the country yesterday, although I think it takes a couple of weeks for them to be rolled out. I don't know, looking at these two factors in terms of the EM trade, I know the IMF has, has really urged South Africa to rein in their debt, as opposed to some of these EM countries that have been given a little bit more leeway or, or fiscal uh, room to move. And then, of course, the, the rollout of the vaccine, given these two factors, is it possible to make any assumptions of what the local equity market in South Africa might do going into 2021? Oh, David, I think that's right. I mean, I think one one probably has to take a step back to the 9th of November 2020 when the vaccine, the effectiveness of a vaccine was announced in terms of COVID. And I think that really precipitated this this move to of investors in terms of switching to some of the bombed out more cyclically and economically sensitive assets. And, you know, we saw a real substantial rally you know, post that period in many of these markets, including emerging markets, but, you know, also including some of the value shares, which have massively underperformed growth, you know, certainly over the last 10, 10 to 15 years. So, you know, the question is, is, or or really, are we in a position now where, you know, with the vaccines being rolled out around the world and, you know, perhaps South Africa going to come a little bit late to the party as we always do, does this really mean that there could be further legs to some of these value shares and you know emerging markets as well vis-a-vis some of the real sexy growth names which you know really great companies done well for investors but you know frankly are are fairly punchy and in terms of valuations and 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 we think the answer is yes now having said that we also think that there's probably going to be quite a lot of volatility and noise as vaccines are rolled out and no doubt South Africa is going to be in a similar position and facing similar challenges in terms of distributing, managing the process. But we think by and large, the world will be able to do this. And, you know, I think the US, uh, you know, really now starting to, to accelerate its program like the UK. And I think, you know, our view is by the Northern Hemisphere summer, they should be well into their own program of, of ramping up and inoculating all the, all the people. And I think what this means is it means that, 
the earnings recovery for many of the cyclically focused companies, which depend on you know the economic tide coming in, prospects for those businesses will look better into the second half of this year and definitely into 2022. And I think the the big positive, certainly from a travel point of view, is that the valuations of many of those shares are really significantly cheaper to, you know, certainly DM as well as, uh, you know, if you look at MSCI growth or many of the tech names. So, so I think the, you know, everyone is saying, but isn't this a consensus view? And, you know, everyone is saying, well, you know, emerging markets is the place to be. But, but really, if you look at the amount of money that investors have in emerging markets, and, you know, it's still under-indexed by historical comparisons. And, you know, if investors were to get back to their median exposure, which they've had over time, which is uh, close to about nine odd percent, that would imply, you know, another 250 odd billion dollars of, of, of cash going into emerging markets. And, you know, we think that as investors become more certain that governments are able to roll out vaccines and that the vaccines work, you're going to see more and more investors then start to switch and rotate out of, you know, some of the really fabulous companies, but, but you know, many of these growth companies are very expensive. And, and, and that's how we've positioned the portfolio. And we started doing that into the back end of last year and uh, continued into this year. But, you know, we wouldn't be surprised to see some volatility in the first uh, half of the year as governments try and get on top of these vaccines. Now, from an SA context, you know, unfortunately, we, we really do have a problem insofar as that we were, I guess, late to the party in terms of acquiring. And, you know, many of our other EM peers have already started uh, rolling out the vaccine process. And I mean, it just means that South Africa is probably going to be six, six to 12 months delayed behind everyone else. So we we can see a scenario into 2022 where you once again have a global synchronization of growth. And I think it's important for investors to understand what that means, because China, for all intents and purposes, has really been able to control COVID in a way in which many DM countries haven't, given the fact that they command and control economy. And what you're going to see is the rest of the developed world is going to start to catch up to where China is, and that's going to introduce a big economic impulse into the global growth cycle towards the end of the year and into 2022. And interestingly, if one goes back to, you know, the early sort of 1920s after the Spanish flu, and once the world really got the pandemic behind them, you saw a massive boom. Now, you know, maybe we're not going to have a similar boom to the same extent, but you can certainly see that people are going to splurge because savings levels are very high. People have saved a lot of money during this period. If you just look at savings rates as a percentage of GDP, you've got lots of fiscal stimulus that governments are pumping into the market. And we think that sets the global growth cycle up for quite a strong push into perhaps the back end of this year and into 2022. And that is generally good for emerging markets. And, and, and then obviously you've got the valuation argument where many of these emerging markets are trading at a fraction of perhaps some of the growth companies and some of the, the more developed multiples. Great, thanks Ian. So you did mention China and I know you have a couple of Chinese stocks in the portfolio. 
And we know that Truffle are a valuation-based uh, investor in the sense you look at where an asset is trading versus what its intrinsic or fair, fair value is. And then my question is, how do you approach the dilemma of getting teased into the global sentiment trade moving into EM value, for example? So how do you balance getting teased into that versus sticking to your investment process? Because obviously there is money to be made on the sentiment trade and maybe these two aren't exactly mutually exclusive. Yeah, so I think, you know, ultimately valuation is uh, key in terms of uh, the price that you pay for an asset is, is pretty much your most important decision that you've got to make. And, you know, typically what we like to do is we like to buy a solid business that it's going through some sort of temporary setback. And many of these EM or value focused companies are decent businesses, but the tide has just gone out because of the cycle. But the tide is now coming in. And we think that their earnings are going to normalize. In other words, their returns and returns on invested capital are going to accelerate. And then you should see that come through. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, we 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 go out and we look for these decent businesses, which uh, either because of their own issues or because of the cycle have lost their way and their earnings are and valuations look look attractive relative to value. And then we would start to redeploy capital into those assets. So, you know, one is obviously always cognizant of what's happening in markets and themes and stuff. But, uh, you know, ultimately, it's got to stand the test of uh, being able to access these assets at a discount or margin of safety to what the underlying intrinsic value actually is for that for that stock or company. Thanks, Ian. And we know that maybe for the last sort of handful of years or three years or so, you've been quite late, sort of at least light in terms of SA Inc. And we had Clem Sunter at our Responsible Investment Summit last week, who is the eternal optimist. And I know you have um, dabbled in some stocks such as Woolworths, for example, but is there any sort of SA Inc. stock which talks to that, that valuation-based model that you spoke of now that gets you a little bit excited every day? And then looking at some of the global sort of stocks within the portfolio, and you're probably going to ignore my WhatsApps after this because it's the cliched question. Is there any single stock that really excites you and the team? So I think from an SA perspective, we've obviously seen quite a nice re-rating of some of the SA-focused assets from post the vaccine announcement, which we were anticipating, and we were obviously well positioned for that. But there are still some opportunities and pockets in terms of value from an SA perspective. And you know, certainly when one looks at valuations of SA or MSCI SA, first of all, it is cheap relative to EM. And then secondly, you know, within, I guess, a DM context, we, we, we certainly do screen very well in terms of valuation. Now, one of the caveats that one must overlay to that is the structural problems that the SA economy is facing. And many of uh, our investors will, will know what we've been saying over the last couple of years is basically that companies' ability to grow and returns on invested capital have been coming down. So, you know, the multiples that investors will will be prepared to pay will probably be lower. But now having said this, I think it is fair to expect that as this EM trade continues to roll and investors hunt for yield and they buy into emerging markets, South Africa and many of our stocks are going to get dragged up by this. And our valuations are not particularly expensive. So, so some of the sectors that we still think look fairly attractive, the healthcare sector, um, the insurers, some of the banks look fairly, fairly attractive. And because we're now moving through the COVID cycle, 
dividends are going to be reinstated for many of these companies. And when you can get a dividend yield of close to 10% on many of these shares, it means you don't need much earnings growth to get double digit returns. So we've invested quite a bit of capital in some of these better franchises where these businesses can take market share and where you can still get a big proportion of your return just coming from the free cash flow and the dividend you know, that these that these companies are spinning off. So for, yes, there are uh, opportunities in, in SA and uh, we certainly have been, you know, putting putting some money to work in some of those names that I've spoken about. Excellent, thank you. I think you. you had a question, I think you had a question in terms of globally, you know, some of the the uh, stocks uh, globally, which which look interesting. I mean, you know, we, we have held for example, a fairly chunky position in one of the biggest insurers in China called Ping On. You know, here you can buy a business that is, uh, you know, really a leader in its class. It's growing its earnings double digits. You're getting a good, you know, 4% dividend yield and you're paying sort of a 10 times forward multiple for this uh, company in the context of emerging market EM, which is trading on a 16 and a half forward the S&P, which is trading on a 23 forward, and the MSCI World Growth, which is trading on a 32, 32 and a half times forward. So you're paying a fraction of the price for a business that's giving you a good yield and can grow 10%. Cigna is another name, which is, uh, we like company listed in the US. It's a managed healthcare provider, also leader in its field, growing its earnings double digits. And once again, you're paying a forward multiple of 10 times for this business. Uh, massive free cash flow spinning out of this business and uh, trading at half the price of the leader in its space, which is United Healthcare. So there are lots of opportunities still to stock pick and Truffle, given our, our focus on, on fundamentals and valuation, we're trying to buy into these decent businesses that can give us this growth, but not exposing the capital to very high multiples that if there is this rotation, as we expect out of many of the growth companies, you know, that you don't potentially suffer a derating and lose some, some, some principle as the market reprices some of these real highly valued uh, growth names. Thanks, Ian. I mean, just talking about your, your fundamental approach. If we, you know, psychologists say that often in times of high fear or anxiety, our horizon compresses in the sense we start looking at the immediate risks and our, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I went back and looked at some of your fund manager workshops from a year ago, and I know your team did a lot of work on the vaccine and viruses that have happened historically throughout our history. And you made some, some really like interesting calls in the sense there was no panic. You kind of hold on to the stocks where you still saw value and you had saw that one sort of two, three year horizon because you knew it was going to play out this long. So I did appreciate your comments from a year ago and, and for sticking, I guess, to your philosophy. That is unfortunately all we have time for today. We've used our 15 minutes, which maybe almost feels like not enough. But again, please join us uh, the first Tuesday of next month, which will be March. Can you believe it? And maybe at that point, we'll get a better sense of, of what's happening in terms of South Africa and the vaccine rollout, politically, uh, what Biden, Biden's administration and their foreign policy is, particularly with regards to China. And then, of course, a military coup in Myanmar, which is quite topical at the moment. So from myself, David and Ian, thanks again for joining us this morning. Thanks, David. And good luck to everyone out there. Bye bye. Cheers. Negroup Collective Investments is an authorised collective investment scheme manager in terms of the Collective Investment Schemes Control Act. Negroup Investments does not provide advice on financial products and will only give you factual information.
For further details on our funds and to view our terms and conditions, please visit negroupinvestments.co.za.